Welcome to the College Baseball Nation podcast. My name is John Peters and I'm joined by Kyle McKelvey. Today on the podcast, we're recapping all the action from the second weekend in college baseball. Let's talk college baseball. Kyle, good to have you back. Thank you. Uh, I saw you uh, drinking something before we started. What, what are you drinking? Oh, yeah. It's the uh, the classic ginger beer with lime juice in it. So a virgin mule? <laughs> yeah. You could call it a virgin mule if you want to. Yeah. If you want to be weird about it. <laughs> yeah, it's a little weird, I guess. Sure. I'm well, trying to I... do uh, no no alcohol for Lent. That's the goal. Ah. I yeah. didn't even practice that. Yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> this uh giving it a go we'll see what happens okay cool well i am not i'm drinking uh scotch nice so i'm I'm not doing that what's your uh poison of choice right now um this is ardbeg um i don't know how to pronounce it but it looks like an oa a n and then oa it's four letters and i don't know how to pronounce it that's the biggest thing keeping me from getting into scotch and like irish whiskey is i don't know how to pronounce any of those words <laughs> I, I would probably just say anois but that sounds too french to be scotch so. my my <laughs> wife and i have been watching uh welcome to wrexham soccer i didn't know that it's the ryan reynolds uh rob mm-hmm. mcelhenny soccer show and it's in Wales and like all the Welsh words, it's just like, yeah, four letters long, but somehow it's three syllables and you're like, I yeah. don't understand this. <laughs> or it's like 10 letters long and it's two syllables. Yeah. Yeah. I'm more used to that one. That's what they do in New England too. I feel oh, okay. like that's, I feel like I'm more okay with that. I, I, I did a little uh, Gaelic learning in my, in, in college just for fun. And it was crazy. They, I mean, just all the letters that, is, that are used, but like aren't said like people, people get on into French about that, like having all these letters, but don't pronounce them. But Gaelic is way worse. It's crazy. Well, I'll have to unpack that later. I'm curious to hear more about your ventures in, in Gaelic. <laughs> but before we get too far off of our main topic here, let's head over to our top stories. We have two of them because so much happened in week two in college baseball. But the absolute top story has to be Liam McFadden Ackman hitting I think this might be literally one of the most impressive, like maybe the most impressive individual performance in the history of college baseball for any hitter. So he had two grand slams in the first inning alone. Yep, that's mm. a pretty wild feat. And that one's a team feat, right? I mean, you got to have your have guys on base in front of you in order to, to be able to hit two grand slams in one inning. But then by the time the sixth inning came around, he hit for the cycle. So a two grand slam day and a cycle that is, I think it's beyond statistical anomaly. He was on sports centers, top 10 uh, Northern Kentucky is who he plays for. Uh, I think gotta be one of the coolest thing that will happen in college baseball this year. Yeah, looking at their schedule, I'm I'm guessing it was the third game, the Sunday game, the one where they won 27 to 4. Yeah, it's crazy how when you have one guy have 8 RBI in the first inning, you tend to score a lot of runs as a team. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> and then probably some more RBIs on the other double and triple, but actually I don't know. Yeah, so that is a impressive feat. After uh that uh impressive feat, he's now uh 14th in the country in home run and home runs and he's 11th in the country in rbi so uh break pushing the top 10 and some offensive stats after that ridiculous weekend yeah that's crazy 
have a, have let's a, not move take on to our secondary story here and i want to title this one just road warriors because it's hard to think of a weekend so early on in the season which we've had so many big road upsets there's always some but we had uh several really big road upsets uh we had portland taking two out of three from texas a&m on the road Florida State taking two out of three from TCU. Illinois did the same to Southern Miss. And UC Santa Barbara did a three-game sweep of Oregon. Which one of these do you want to unpack first? Which is the biggest story, in your opinion? I want to unpack your pronunciation of Illinois. Oh, what did I say? You said Illinois. Uh-oh. It'll get, I know it'll that get some... really Illinois some people from Illinois. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> nicely done. Uh, the most impressive, I think... Well, impressive implies low expectation to no expectation. So I'm, I'll say Portland's series win in game one and two, just like right off the bat over uh, over A&M. That's a top five team into going into Olsen Field, which is always crazy. Um, and they did it in a, in a weird way. Like the, the bullpen kind of blew up for A&M. That's, that's what usually is their, is their, um, is their calling sign. Like they, they, they hit up seven runs in the top in the top of the ninth in game one. Like they were coming, they came. Portland came into that ninth inning only up one, and then ended up being up six or seven. So it was a kind of a blow up, and and then they just kept pumping in strikes, and they're they a really good, well well pitched game game two, uh, one and two for them. Yeah, I was impressed for sure. It was amazing how many times A and M hitters went up to the plate and just took strike one right away. Just right yeah. off the bat, down 0-1. It's so I feel like every time an Aggie hitter was at the plate, you could just set the count to 0-1 because that's basically what was happening. It felt like that, yeah. And it felt like maybe the wind blowing in, they were swinging for the fences a lot. They shouldn't have been. And so there was a bunch of flyouts, and it, it just it seemed like they were trying to hit a, a five-run homer with no one on base in every, in, in every at-bat. They've got to get runners on base, and they, they weren't doing that. Yeah, I think in terms of... Uh what it means for AM. I think it's not great to do what they did. Also, though, if you just start looking through some of these offensive stats, I mean, Austin Bose is batting 080. Trevor <laughs> Werner's batting 154 on the season. Targotch is 174. Even Jack Moss at 269 is down 100 points from a year ago. I These guys are not, like, right? That, that's not what's going to happen throughout the whole season. These guys will probably increase their batting average at 1 to 200 yeah. points each. So it's it was a bad weekend for AM, a great weekend for Portland. Hats off to the pilots for shutting down what we really still think is going to be a fairly offensive team. And we get to see uh, the guy who hit two grand slams in an inning play at Olsen against the same pitching staff in a couple of weeks. Ooh, fun. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about UC Santa Barbara at Oregon. This one's a little bit of a wild one. So originally it was supposed to be a four game series and it was supposed to be in Santa Barbara, but uh, Blizzard <laughs> struck California. Uh, they had to move a lot of games out of California, uh, particularly Southern California. We saw that USC series get moved to Auburn and this series likewise got moved. It got shortened to a three game series because travel became a little bit tough. Santa Barbara went up to Oregon and uh, I mean, just beat the snot out of them it was three non-competitive games it was actually kind of shocking to see this from oregon who's played mm -hmm. pretty well at home over the years um but uh uc santa barbara had a, a little bit of a tough loss against um oregon state early oregon on state. in the season but in general i was very impressed by what the gauchos did over the weekend yeah i mean it's 
a 10-0 shutout in game two, six. I mean, they only allowed three runs in the whole weekend against an Oregon team. Yeah, like you said, is is usually pretty offensive. And I guess this is a just a, a big ups to the probably Big West winner this year. <laughs> you see Santa Barbara is back doing its thing. Back doing its thing again. Uh, Florida State, TCU. I think that my headline for this series is Florida State's pitching staff lives up to its expectation, which mm-hmm. is kind of what we talked about early on in the season already on this podcast, is that if they can play to their talent level, that pitching staff is possibly three first, second round drafts, pick uh, first round picks in the draft. And they, I think, played up to the expectation. It was a well-pitched series in general. Mm-hmm. Anything to add on that one, or can we touch Illinois Southern Miss? Yeah, we'll talk, touch on FSU, um, TCU, and let me get to my pick'em results. Yeah, and so Illinois Southern Miss, Illinois had, um, uh, I mean, the first game a little bit of a blowout. Second game, extra innings, one run game, uh, and then the third game was uh, uh, so, uh, also a little bit of a often across the board offensive showing for for both teams but in mm-hmm. maybe surprisingly Illinois after Southern Miss had thrown two one hitters already in the first four games of the year a little bit of a uh of a dud thrown by the Southern Miss pitching staff yeah a little bit of a comeback to earth I feel like they <laughs> probably can't keep up with throwing two one hitters th- doing that yeah. again a one hitter every other game is not sustainable yeah it seems like probably not yeah <laughs> 14 runs in one inning or in 13 runs in two games for lit up by Southern Miss is uh probably also not what's going to keep happening like they they probably will come back down a little bit they'll they'll find a, a median that's probably even higher than what you ex- or like better than what you expect i just this illinois team i think surprised some people and also like as part of a surprising big 10 that starts the year yes we will get on more on the Big Ten later on in the podcast. Worth mentioning while we're talking about Road Warriors, there were a few home favorites in high-stakes series that did pretty well. Uh, we'll get to Ole Miss and Maryland a little bit later on, but Ole Miss took two out of three over Maryland. And I think perhaps the one of the most intriguing series of the week in Vanderbilt versus UCLA, uh, Vandy took two out of three. Uh, that was a, another very well-pitched series, but that was a series in which the home team Vanderbilt did manage to stave off the upset from the 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 underdog road warrior. <laughs> Next up on the podcast, let's take a look at the brand new rankings and results from our pick'em over the weekend. In some ways, again, we have no surprises maybe at the top with LSU number one, Wake Forest number two, Stanford number three. That's the same three as last week. Ole Miss, Florida, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Louisville, all these teams slide up a spot. Um well, after Ole Miss, because Texas A&M fell down to number 17. Uh, we had several teams enter into the top 25, including Florida State at 13. Uh, we had uh, UC Santa Barbara move up to 22. And then towards the bottom of the top five, South Carolina finally breaks in to number 24. Auburn also finally breaks in. They've just been knocking on the door all season. So Auburn's at 25. And a whole host of teams enter into the top 50. Portland, Illinois. Cal, Georgia Southern, West Virginia, UCF, Sam Houston, Oral Roberts all enter into the top 50, breaking down by conference. Once again, 13 SEC teams, no Kentucky, nine ACC, five Pac-12, five Big 12. Sunbelt is fifth with 
four and a couple different conferences with two apiece. It's the first time uh, we've ever ranked a team from the Summit League. Go Oral oh. Roberts. Yeah, good for us. We're finding out. <laughs> finding pat, our, that. pat ourselves on the back. Yeah. Good job, no, you, you got to pat yourselves on the back every once in a while. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Anything there's... stand out about this to you, Kyle? There's a, a lot of movement this week. I mean, Florida State jumped up 28 spots. Southern Miss dropped down 29 spots. It's just it, it happens when you win on the road and then lose at home, respectively. And then there's a, a little bit of movement at the top with Vandy taking a nice series uh, at home over UCLA. UCLA didn't look bad in that series, though. I thought that was no. a, a nice, impressive, well-pitched game overall. Like There weren't that many errors while pitches hit by pitch. Felt like a that. super regional. It was just really high-quality baseball. Yeah, like two shutouts in the first in the first two games, and yeah, it was it was kind of it was a it was a nice series, just like kind of two blue buds. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if both these teams are in super regionals and series that look just like that. Maybe even this exact one. <laughs> that'd be that'd be kind of wild. Has that ever happened? Do you think? Oh, uh, probably. <laughs> yeah, there's been some SEC versus SEC same like whenever. Yeah, yeah, some weird things happen, and well, not even weird things. Sometimes it's where it feels like the committee. It pits does. them against each other on purpose. <laughs> so there's definitely been some super rematches. You know something weird? Speaking of some rematches coming up, Ole Miss plays Maryland again at the Cambria Classic. <laughs> and so that's just a, like a week later. And it's a Friday night. So it's like, you know, aces going out at each other. So that's it's kind of weird that we're going to well, get you... like two weeks apart. They're going to see Savakul again. Yeah. And, and that's like, yeah, just this week. And, and uh, Maryland won that game 9-2. So maybe yeah, Savakul. The one maybe, uh, yeah, maybe Ole Miss will... Like we'll kind of have a good, a better feel for Savakul. Maybe Savakul knows what what they're gonna change in this one, so it'll be a, it'll be a good matchup. Yeah, will he be uh, still hot, or will he have Savakul down by then? Boo. Uh, so uh, let's take a, a turn now to the pick'em results from last week. We so, don't have to. I was three and one on the week, and uh, the reason why I was only uh, I didn't have five series is because you gave me a series that had four games in it uh thanks kyle because <laughs> i actually picked that one correctly mizzou won three out of four at fiu so i still got it right even though the threshold for winning that series is even higher but because we caught it and because alabama at pepperdine got canceled due to weather we decided to throw out those two series heading into the weekend so fair is fair we decided to throw them out beforehand so even though i got it right it doesn't count so three <laughs> and one for me um, I picked Vanderbilt over UCLA. I picked East Carolina over UNC. And I thought that series wasn't going to be decided this weekend because they had to cancel that or postpone that middle game due mm -hmm. to some weather in North Carolina. But ECU won both of the games that they did play. So they won the first game uh, in Greenville. That was a home game for ECU. On Sunday, they won at North Carolina. That Friday night game, though, it felt like an instant classic. It was a sellout uh, record crowd, over 6,000 people at, at East Carolina. It was a late inning comeback for the Pirates. It was drama. It was heroics. It was everything college baseball is. And even on Sunday, hats off, North Carolina filled the stadium. But I think half the fans might have been Pirates fans, but still <laughs> it was a full stadium for a game in February. So it was a really great series. Pirates fans showed out uh, two competitive games against in-state rivals. What more do you want from baseball? Yeah. It turns out people in the, in the Carolinas love their baseball. Who would have thunk it? 
USC at Auburn. Auburn did end up winning that series. The last game was a tie. Uh, and there's no Maryland, ties in baseball. No ties in baseball. Maryland at Ole Miss. I got that one right. Picked Ole Miss in that one. Uh, Kyle, do you, do you want to talk about your pick'em results, or should we just move on to the next segment? I don't want to talk about it, but I will. I'll face the music. You know, we'll you know coach speak coach speak we'll get it back we'll we'll regroup look at the tape what we see what we did wrong um no i i, I went over four uh, so i picked fullerton over it's michigan the, like golden sombrero equivalent of podcast <laughs> pickums yeah so i went over four i picked fullerton over michigan first so i didn't think michigan had the pitching to keep up with with the hot fullerton bats um and i might have been right but Michigan's pitcher Chase Allen decided to change things up on me. He went 3.2 innings last week in a loss. He did eight innings pitched in a win this week, so he really turned things around. Um, that was Michigan won two games in a day yesterday. They had to because of the whole weather thing. They had to eight shut innings in. in a road start. That's pretty clutch. That's like, especially this early in the season. You don't see eight inning starts really very often. You sure don't. And then I also got Arizona State, Mississippi State wrong. I, I thought that Mississippi State's bullpen was just going to keep blowing up, and they it seemed like that they were going to. They let up twelve walks on uh, Friday night in their in their only loss on the weekend. If but you something... had stopped watching that series after Friday, you would have just assumed that Mississippi State, State got outscored like thirty five to ten. Right. <laughs> like it, it looked, they they didn't look great on Friday. So yeah, yeah, twelve walks by Mississippi State pitching on Friday. And then they combined for seven in the next two games. So something clicked between between game one and game two. Um, and then game three, Arizona State used nine pitchers in a blowout, and the bats came alive for State, which is, I think if we roll back the tape, you can see, you can maybe hear that I said, yeah, I think Arizona State will hold them, but if, they're, if Mississippi State bats come alive, you know, look out. So... I would have, I wouldn't pick it wrong, or pick it differently if I had known, <laughs> but man... Mississippi State bullpen finally figured something out. And then uh, USF at FAU, FAU um, USF won the game one, and they actually had a positive one run differential in the, in all three games. But we don't score this based off of mm. the three-game run differential. So Yeah, it's crazy how sport where run differential <laughs> means basically nothing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you don't get credit for winning the run differential, Kyle. I know. Game one was a, honestly a really well-pitched series. Each team used two pitchers each. Both starters went six innings. Um, Hunter Mink, the Florida transfer uh, from a few years ago, came in, got the win, shut down the Owls for one earned run and six strikeouts. And then the next two games were pretty wild offensive games that went back and forth. Um, FAU got the walk-off win in the 11th game two. And then just, yeah, a fun back and forth series with a lot of offense, honestly. So that's... Uh, well done, FAU. I won't pick against you for the rest of the year. Hey, at least you didn't get the Alabama at Pepperdine series wrong. I would have gotten that one right. I know that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh yeah, so Florida State also beat TCU on the road. We talked about this one a little bit. Just one thing I want to touch on. Uh, if TCU figured out how to shut down Jaime Ferrer in game one and two, uh, I would have won. So game one and two, Jaime Ferrer hit 462. Or no, six, he went 600 in game one and two, six for 10, six RBIs, two home runs, two doubles, and they won both of those games. And then Jaime Ferrer in game three went 0 for 3, TCU won. So uh, 
Florida State goes as Jaime Ferrer goes. Jaime Ferrer is a dude. I saw him hit a home run out of the Boston College Stadium into the street last year. <laughs> it was impressive. He's yeah. he's a grown man. Yeah, he sure is. He had, he had a really explosive Friday and Saturday. I want to awesome. go back and count the number of whatas and shouldas and I said last week's that you just had in that segment, Kyle, because it was greater than zero. I can tell you that. Maybe one. (laughs) Next up on the podcast, pick a side. We have two topics here to debate. We each have to pick a side on them. And the first one is something that at least the social media world feels like is a debate. So let's have this debate. Let's play it out. Who should be number one in the country? LSU or anyone else. And let's say because mm-hmm. Wake Forest is number two right now for us, LSU or Wake Forest. Kyle, I'll let you go first to pick a side. Which which team do you want to defend here? You know, I'll stick with our gut. We have LSU number one. We had LSU number one coming into the year. Um, we kept them at number one, even though they lost a game this week, which we said was a 20 something percent chance of happening. So there you go. There's your 20 percent. Um they looked really good against Sam Houston. They looked they looked pretty good against Kansas State. And then Iowa, they just sometimes those games happen, like we've we've mentioned before. It that's baseball. Iowa's starting pitcher had a had a really nice day. Um and I I think they're still a really, really talented team. And even though they lost a starting pitcher and um and Dylan Cruz is still kind of injured, he's playing DH, he's doing fine. Um, this is still a really talented team. I think that going forward, kind of with expectations, I think this is still uh, the best team in college baseball. Brady Brecht for Iowa. I know he had a few walks against LSU. I mean, quite a few walks against LSU, but he is one of those draft uh, surging type of guys. He is some nasty stuff on that fastball. So I think that uh, every once in a while you run into a guy like that. And then Jared Simpson for Iowa came in and threw four and two thirds. So mm. they had a, some some strong pitching performances. It took them nearly 200 pitches to get to get through LSU's uh, potent offense. So that leaves me with the task of defending Wake Forest. And I want to say that Wake Forest has quietly uh, stayed undefeated. Kyle, you want to take a stab at what Wake Forest's pitching staff ERA is right now? I'll tell you, it's pretty darn low. I guess less than one. Uh, it's a buck twenty-five. So it's the price of gas when I was in high school, <laughs> or, or maybe You're not that old middle school. I don't know how. <laughs> what was gas in the two thousands? I don't know. So uh, I think that we knew that Wake Forest was going to pitch, but they pitched exceptionally well. Seth Keener, I think, has been a little bit of a surprise in my opinion. He's already gone 11 innings in his two starts, only given up just one run. Not shockingly, Rhett Lauder has also been really good with a .75 ERA. Sean Sullivan has one start and a relief appearance with a 0.00 ERA in 10 innings. Who else do we want to talk about? Josh, Josh Hartle, the .82 ERA. Um, and... This is they're all do, doing this all without Teddy McGraw, who is supposed to be their kind of two punch and their one two punch of Rhett Louder and Teddy McGraw. So in theory, if they ever got McGraw back, I think this team would be even better. I think the reality is 
very likely McGraw is done for the year. I think uh, the latest news being reported on him is that he is being uh, looked at MRI. So uh, maybe it's not best to bring up an argument in the hypothetical, which is probably not going to happen. But if they did get Teddy McGraw back, that would add another bullet to a very uh, loaded chamber. But let's talk about Wake offense because the their pitching staff has given up that 1.25 ERA. Their opponent's pitching staff ERA is 13.31. So this is not a team that's just relying upon opponents' errors. This is a team that is hitting an absurd 370. Tommy Hawk in 36 appearances, 528. Adam Cesare, he has... Six home runs tied for the lead in the country. Also a 484 average to go with that. Brock Wilkin, I mean, perhaps the the most uh, highly regarded hitter is just batting a lowly 294 with six home runs. Also tied for the lead in the country. Nick Kurtz, 476, four home runs. I mean, I could just lead, list, read all the stats on their rosters because it's like literally it's eight guys here who are batting, seven guys batting almost 300 or above. Uh that's I am true. Nine, 10, 11 guys who have double digit at bats batting in the 300. So this has been an exceptionally good offense as well as an exceptionally good pitching staff. But the one issue <laughs> that one might have is strength of schedule. I'm going to say they're nine and oh, it's hard to go undefeated. So credit yep. to them. And they have under their belts two wins that are suddenly becoming slightly more quality wins. So they knocked off Illinois. Uh, they beat Illinois 10 to one and, uh, they also beat them eight to one. So outscoring a team that just put up a ton of runs on a pretty solid Southern Miss pitching staff outscoring them 18 to two. So, uh, that's, I think bodes really well for the Wake Forest pitching staff moving forward. It is a little tricky. I think the reason why we don't have them at number one is because the schedule isn't there, but in terms of the stats they're putting up, I don't think there's any team in the country that's doing what Wake Forest is doing right now. I think that there's a debate given all the preseason hype that LSU had is, is honestly a sign in Wake's favor. Like that we're having this discussion is, is crazy given all the hype LSU had. Yep. Also, I think generally the need for internet folk to argue about this is the overreaction (laughs) to one loss. I think it's like we talked about if a team's favored to win 90% of its games and it had plays three games over a weekend, they're going to lose one out of four weekends. It's just baseball. So LSU's one loss wasn't enough to knock us down. I don't know if I did the best job defending Wake right there because at the end, I think LSU should be number one. Yeah. And that's, I mean, we left them there. That's that's we can't really change our mind in the past 10 in the past, but LSU and Wake will both have a chance to prove us right or wrong. So I think I think we did fine. We can't change our mind in the past, man. <laughs> saving you folks listening at home on hundred bucks therapy session right there. Kyle's got all the answers that you need. <laughs> yeah, just come to me and I'll uh, basically the answer is is uh, scotch. <laughs> so second pick aside uh, we have you get to choose uh, Big West or Big Ten. Who's having a better start to the year? Both of these conferences have had ups and downs over the years. Both of them, I think, have some series wins to hang their hats on. Kyle, I'll let you take a stab at this one first. Who do you want to defend? Uh, you know, I'll go with the Big Ten. I don't love this pick, but uh, I feel like, I mean, Big Ten last year had two teams coming in, two teams in the tournament, um, and then a few other teams with like that were really close. Um, Rutgers maybe felt like they could have they had an argument for one of those last four teams 
Uh, Michigan won the conference tournament, so they they got in automatically. And uh, Maryland was a host, so that was that was the their big team. And now, I mean, Maryland, yeah, Maryland lost a weekend on the road, which is you know pretty 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 hard or pretty easy to do in an on an SEC against an SEC team. But they still have a really good, a really solid team, um, and they'll have a chance to win their division, play on the road at UCF. They have like a few of the Big Ten contenders here, like right at the beginning of their schedule. Uh, and then you got a team like Iowa with not much hype going into the year, but they they beat LSU. They went they won two out of three um, in the Round Rock Classic. And Indiana won a game on the road at Texas. Did did okay on their series uh, on the road at Auburn. So all these teams have to play on the road really early in the season, which which makes it really hard for big to big ten teams to get any sort of traction and rhythm. But uh, all these teams are doing pretty solidly and and like holding up there into the bargain. Penn State won a game, won uh, the first game at Miami, uh, and made that third game pretty close. I think they got walked off in that one, so that would have been a huge feather in the Big Ten's cap. Um, yeah, and then Rutgers had that series against Campbell on the road. So yeah, I don't know. I, I think the big Ten's doing pretty good to start the year. I'm looking at you using hypothetical feathers to, to <laughs> defend your conference. Yeah. So you get big 10. That means I get big West. Uh, I mean, right off the bat, the big West has a 569 winning percentage versus the big tens, just 460. So that's a hundred points better. <laughs> um, so, I mean, just from a winning percentage so perspective, big West is doing pretty good. If you want top contenders like the big 10, I think the big West has a couple of them. You see Irvine swept Tulane to start the year. Not a bad look. Mm-hmm. Also has wins against a couple pac 12 teams, USC, Washington state, um, so you see Irvine's looking pretty hot. You see Santa Barbara, we've already talked about. They just had a three-game sweep at Oregon, and they'll get <clears throat> a few more chances as the season goes along uh, to get some kind of marquee West Coast wins. So I think Santa Barbara feels like a team also that should be in the running for uh, an at-large bid should the Big West need it. Um, don't sleep. Don't sleep on my Rainbow Warriors right now. Hawaii's four and two. They won three out of four against Wright State. Wright State is a consistently good team out of the horizon. Um, that's a, a really nice series win for Hawaii. Also have wins at San Diego and against North Dakota State. So I I'm not saying this is the year the Big West gets five teams in the tournament again. I'm starting to think the Big West is a multi-bit league again, and they have a few legitimate top contenders. So that's why I like the Big West. They're going to need RPI help. Last year, that was the problem for them, I feel like. But yeah, that, that could be it could be a team for uh, the year for a couple, you know, a couple t- contenders there. That'd be cool. Yeah, speaking of RPI, that's a great point. That's something that we saw last year was that the Big West fell all the way down to 20th in conference RPI. Right now, they're 10th. So it's early in the season. But that's 10 spots higher. Ten, the RPI 10 conference is a multi-bid league many years. So that's uh, that's a good look for the, the Big West right now. I think you win that one. Yeah. I mean, if I'm going to play devil's advocate, we just saw Michigan take two games against Cal State Fullerton. So <laughs> that's a, I should have used that one. You should have used that one, Kyle. Come that was a direct on. comparison. <laughs> you, you, you must not have taken debate in high school no i did not i didn't either i took a speech class where we had like one debate and it was like over whether tennis or baseball was a better sport i think i can't remember and then 
it got like went down like a rabbit hole of like which sport you can hit the ball harder in (laughs) which is an interesting way to think about sports yeah that doesn't seem like the main criteria (laughs) yeah i think the consensus is that if you're really good uh at baseball you can hit the ball harder than uh if you're really good at at tennis but like the average person much higher likelihood of going uh to a tennis court and hitting the ball pretty hard than they do of going to a batting cage and hitting the ball pretty hard yeah and yeah that's man there's a lot of lot you could do with that lots of impact there for sure (laughs) and you know so you said earlier about um gas prices when you were in high school i looked it up it's uh the average gas price in may when you were in high school in in your in your hometown was 268 so Southern Miss was it their RPI or no? Was it? No, we're talking about that was Wake's uh, ERA of one twenty five. Wake's ERA, so it's less than less than the gas prices in May in Flower Mound. All right, Flower Mound, Texas, home of the Fighting Jags. Oh yeah. Next up on the podcast, we have a segment called Report Card, where we give grades out to teams, ideas, concepts, performances. And I want to start off with giving a grade to All Miss without Hunter Elliott, like. We just discussed in terms of Teddy McGraw. It looks like Hunter Elliott is very likely to be out for the year. Uh, Chase Parham from Marble Grove uh, reported that Hunter Elliott is going, quote, out of state this week for examinations. I feel like anytime you leave the state for a doctor's appointment, it's not a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> that, that means that you're, you know, something pretty serious going on, probably going to see some orthopedics, some surgeons, seeing if he needs Tommy John. I feel... I again, no privilege information. I think all signs point to Tommy John here. Uh, but again, we're just based based off of what we're what we're seeing and what what you see historically when guys go through something like this. And so, uh, let's give a grade to how Ole Miss did as a team uh, without Hunter Elliott. And I want I'm going to go first. I really struggled with this because my first thought is they won a series against a ranked opponent, so that's really good. But if you unpack it a step farther, I think whenever I think about how Ole Miss did, I really want to think about how Ole Miss pitching staff did, because that's really the question, um, mm. uh, in my opinion. Uh, and Ole Miss's pitching staff had its moments, <laughs> but I so struggled to find a starter over the weekend for Ole Miss that really impressed me. So we had, uh, let's go uh, through the three starters. Uh, Jake Dougherty went four innings, three earned runs. That's not a terrible start earlier in the year. Uh, Grayson Sonier went two and two thirds, one earned run. Um, not again, not horrible. Looking for a you know spot start, getting a guy to give you some innings, and then Xavier Rivas six earned runs and three and two thirds. So none of the three starters did particularly well. Um. I think the big red flag is that across their three games, they had my math in my head is accurate. That's what, 22 walks across the three games. That's not something you want to see. That's not something that an ace would do, for instance. You know, uh, Hunter Elliott's not going to be going out there just walking guys left and right. So I'm going to go with a solid B. That's, That's what I'm feeling. I think winning a series against a ranked team gets you some credit. How they did it, I think their offense give them an a give them an a plus i mm-hmm. think they're pitching staff c c plus so that leaves me something like a B. Yeah, yeah i'll give them a b yeah i think the main thing is that no starting pitcher for them went over four innings 
Like you kind of want your pitchers to go five, six innings. I know that may be more of an MLB thing when you have so many guys in college that can extend the game in the bullpen. But I mean, I don't know. I feel like you, you want your guys to go a little bit longer, especially when when the teams only get tougher from here. Like they have the SEC West slate to go still. Uh, and, yeah. and those guys will go five or six innings, seven innings, maybe. So they're looking for yeah. answers, but you got to feel pretty good that a team looking for answers still want a series. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And they did it the way that we expected them with offense. So gotta love that offense. Yeah, man, it's good. <laughs> 18 right. runs in the last game. Yeah. Give me a letter grade. I don't think you've given me one yet. I did not. Uh, I'll go B plus just to mm. one up you a little bit. All right. <laughs> Because because they still want a series with with what they're good at. So, all right, uh, I want to give a, a grade to the Round Rock Classics tiebreaker rule. Now, <laughs> I don't know if you looked into this one, uh, but a little, it's a doozy. So, three teams <laughs> went two and one at the Round Rock Classic, and uh, the Round Rock Classic wants to give out a trophy, wants to give out a, a champion uh, title. LSU ended up winning that. Uh, they went to. Uh, the three teams that all went two and one, Sam Houston, Iowa, LSU, and then added up runs uh, scored and runs against. So it did a run differential for each of the teams. LSU was plus four, Iowa plus two. Sam Houston was in the negative after getting blown out by LSU. So LSU ended up winning the Round Rock Classic. I'll let you go first on this one. Give it a grade. How do you feel about that tiebreaker process? Well, I think they're a, a tournament after our own heart. They don't want ties in baseball. So they, they got to give out a trophy. They're they're going to give that trophy no matter what. So they they went down to the next the next thing, which is run differential. Sure. I like it. I think I think I think I saw that Sam Houston State had a chance at the end of the game to give the belt to Iowa if they just like hit one more had one more run or something. Cause it was I think it was ten was the, the threshold. So if it was if it was really close. Um, because it was a, I think LSU won that game by twelve. So yeah, uh, I'll give it, I'll give it an A, just because I, I like uh, no ties in baseball. Wow, you're you're tugging at my like sense of no ties in baseball, but I'm giving yeah. this a big old F. I hate this. Like <sighs> I think I hate this on principle. I think here's here's the principle that I reject this whole concept from. I don't think these tournaments need to give out trophies. Like. <laughs> This is like no form of baseball is a round robin tournament. Like, you know, no regionals don't look like this. Weekend series don't look like this. This is just like let the let the guys just come play baseball. And at the end of it, a couple teams go two and one. Great. They all had great weekends. Why do we need to give a trophy away for like using weird tiebreaker rules? Just let them go home two and one. This is your whole thing, too, with you don't like giving out uh, rings for Omaha appearances. Yeah, this is my like. <laughs> my oldest man opinion i think that we've <laughs> uncovered uh, about me on the podcast is that i'm i'm anti trophy i'm anti participation trophy man i and need to become a dad and then and then you're all, all of a sudden anti participation trophy yeah except for for my kid my kids can get whatever he can get whatever he wants yeah that's how it works Next up on the podcast, something or nothing, the old faithful return of the segment where you and I have to decide whether or not something is a big deal or not a big deal. I will go first. Jack Caglione hit three home runs over the weekend on Sunday, all in one day, three home run game uh, against Cincinnati. The uh, Florida had already clinched the series, but this was to help give Florida 
the sweep of Cincinnati. Oh, by the way, he also threw four and two thirds, gave up three earned runs in that game. Is that something or nothing? I put this one in the segment because I just wanted to talk about Caglione and we hadn't had a chance to talk about him on the podcast yet. I'm going to say this is a something. This dude is six home runs on the year. He's also tied for the lead uh, with those cup other guys from Wake Forest that we were talking about earlier in terms of six home runs on the year. And he's had uh, two starts, a six inning start and a four and two thirds inning start. This dude, I said it in the preseason, dark horse for Golden Spikes. I think his dark horse status is about to become a fully illuminated horse status. <laughs> this guy's going to... A great become... horse. <laughs> I don't know the origin of this phrase, so this spotlight is on the horse right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to pat yourself on the back, right? So. Yeah. I think when you have the opportunity, we should, that's, to... let's make that a segment. A pat ourselves on the back <laughs> segment, and we just we just uh, brag about what we've done. Uh, I yeah, like it. The fans will love that, I'm sure. When you have the chance to have more home runs, like almost have more home runs than you do innings pitched, I think that's a it's a pretty impressive day. And I mean, he he went four point two. I'm sure he would want to throw for more, but he hit three home runs. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, and one of them. One of them was 118 miles miles an hour off the bat, which might be a record for for this tracking. I don't I don't know how who, who like keeps track of those things. Yeah, Trackman's but... not as as thorough in college baseball, but it's getting there. Yeah, he had a total of a quarter mile of home runs on wow. Sunday. <laughs> on yeah. Sunday alone, a lap around the track worth of home runs on Sunday. Jeez. Man, yeah, fifteen hundred feet of home runs or fourteen twenty something. Yeah, keep it up. It's cool. Something or nothing. Kyle Mississippi State took two two out of three games over Arizona State. I think it's something based off of how they did it. Their their bullpen figured it out. Like we already touched on seven walks on the in the second two games after twelve in the first game. And and that's like a, a pretty solid Arizona State offense, honestly. Um, I thought that offense was really dangerous and they showed yeah. that in that first win when they got thirteen one thirteen of uh four. But yeah, only four runs for Arizona State in games two and three. Yeah, they, Mississippi State fans, I'm sure, were pressing the panic button after game one, but they they figured it out. They they took the game. They took the two games back, and I think that is definitely just helps kind of calm the minds of Mississippi State fans. We, we I think we ended up moving them up in the rankings a little bit. Um, Walking on the door but, to the top twenty five again. Yeah, pretty close. They're they're right there. They moved them up seven spots. Is what it was. So Graham Yintima had two relief really appearances and the previous week he started for Arizona State in that middle or sorry for Mississippi State in that middle game went five innings one earned run six strikeouts no walks I think that is a huge green flag for Mississippi State if they if they found a guy that can give you five innings not walk guy against you know not walk any of this uh pretty deep Arizona State offense that is like a that's a huge green flag for me so I'm gonna agree I'm gonna say this is something because I think Mississippi State is finding some pitching and that's a big deal yeah something or nothing last one of the segment LSU's RPI is currently 78 nothing when it's too Full early in stop the end of statement <laughs> it's too early in the season to do anything with RPI yeah, uh, RPI is a garbage statistic, but it's interesting. Like, I mean, yeah. they they've played neutral site games. You think they would get some credit from that from RPI? It's a little bit weird, but I agree, it's a nothing. Yeah, Lamar is at ninety seven and moved up fifty four spots after one win, just because they're undefeated, which is good. That's really cool. But like, when you can move up fifty four spots in one game, and that's probably uh, probably shows you that it's nothing for now. Mel-tar. Mel-tar.
our last segment on the podcast, we dive into the mailbag. We have a couple questions here. The first one is from Dima on Twitter. Is Illinois a sleeper in the Big Ten? So preseason top five team in the Big Ten. They went on the road like we've talked about and took a series from Southern Miss. Kyle, do you think that they've hit sleeper status? Do you think they're above sleeper status? Where would you put the Illini? I think they're above sleeper status. I think they're possibly like a contender in the Big Ten. I mean, yeah, going on the road. If you're sleeping on Illinois right now, you're you're asleep at the wheel. Yeah, I think going on the road over and taking a series from Southern Miss in a game in a way that no one probably expected, blowing them out offensively. I think, yeah, I think that's a contender status in my book in the Big Ten. Yeah, their schedule's a little unbalanced in the Big Ten, which is kind of frustrating. They don't get Maryland uh, this year, so uh, we won't. That's good for them, really. It's good for them. Yeah, that, I think that makes them, you know, even more of a contender in some ways. Um, they also but we want to see that. Yeah, we would love to see that. They also don't get Iowa, so they're missing out on some of the tougher teams in the big 10 uh they do get michigan they do get ohio state michigan state who's looking improved records they have to go on the road so there's some tough series there uh coming up they their next five games are still on the road at sam houston two games uh next weekend following weekend they do three at coastal carolina so i think that the next five games are really going to be useful for them in terms of uh establishing themselves as a contender in the Big Ten, a contender for an at-large bid. It's it's kind of going to be mm-hmm. the difference, I think, between are they in the national conversation, are they in the conference conversation. Both are important. And just if you know, if Illinois was just in the conference conversation, that would I think be a reasonably successful year. I think this feels like a team that expects to get to a regional or wants to to be you know, knocking on the door of a regional. Um, they're setting themselves themselves up to be in that conversation right now. So I would say let's not call them a sleeper. Let's call them a, a fully awake. awake. Yeah. Nice. And our closing thoughts from Travis. Uh, always a lovely time when Travis sends us a thought. <laughs> Who would win a three-game series and why? A baseball team composed of ninjas or a baseball team of pirates? Hmm. I think I think I would go with pirates. So he's he specified pirates have like the power, but ninjas have technique. So I'm assuming technique means like they're not gonna give up a lot of errors in the field. They're stolen gonna, bases left and right. Stolen bases, yeah. But I think I think I'm going with pirates because ninjas like are pretty famously independent. They're gonna work like one off <laughs> here doing an assassination here attempt here. They're gonna take out some emperor here. But pirates have to work together. They have to they have to make the ship go. And they have to work as a team. And that's you know teams win games, individuals eleven point seven scholarships would never work for a team of ninjas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everyone would want to be on full scholarship. I think I think I agree. But I want to go ninja. I want to go ninja just because I think ninjas have more experience throwing things, like throwing stars. Oh. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if pirates like what. What do pirates throw? What do you throw in a boat? Like nothing, right? Like, you throw you're... up overboard. Oh yeah, that's gonna <laughs> be a, a great distraction as you throw a thirty-two mile an hour fastball. <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna say the ninjas might have an edge when it comes to a pitching staff. So maybe that that alone. Mm. You know, they what they say is pitching wins championships. So give me team ninja. Teamwork wins championships. (laughs) 
Thanks for listening to the College Baseball Nation podcast. If you enjoyed this, share it with someone you love or someone you hate if you didn't enjoy it. We don't really care. <laughs> if people are listening to it, that's great. Just share it. Uh, just share it. Also, give us a rating on wherever you're listening to it. it helps you get the word out. Our socials are at collegeballnet. Our website is collegebaseball.info. Be on the lookout there for a bunch of new content this week. Thanks for listening and have a great day.